Good morning and welcome to the 3ND Podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. I will be uh, joining you uh, on my own this week. Uh, my regular co-host Justin Lewis um, will be back with us soon. He was not able to uh, join us for this week's episode, but uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I will confirm uh, I am doing this before I head to work. Uh, I hope that whether you are going to work or not going to work, you had a wonderful Super Bowl Sunday. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, and the San Francisco 49ers for making it to the Super Bowl, and congrats to the Chiefs for winning it, especially Andy Reid. Um, you can follow the podcast at 3 Pod on Twitter, myself at StatsSAC, my co-host Justin Lewis at J underscore Timberfake underscore. You can also follow at SBN Grizzlies, the Twitter site of um, Grizzly Bear Blues. Uh, obviously, the uh, um, blog network that we are, uh, are well within a month of uh, being on the SBN Nation Podcast Network. Uh, follow fellow shows, the Core 4 Podcast and the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast, wherever podcasts are available. But obviously, yesterday was was an awesome day. It was it was an annual time for the um, you know the nation, the world to come together and enjoy one of the bigger sporting events on the sports calendar. And you know this year it may have been needed more uh, than many other years. You know, obviously the Sunday before, um, you know the the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant. It was wonderful to see the tribute that was there uh, to begin the game. Uh, it's been you know very very eye opening. Uh, just to see the impact that Kobe had on lives around the nation, around the world, those that he knew and those that he did not know. Uh, but just seeing, you know, the, the the memories and the tributes and, you know, people coming together to support each other. You know, it truly is sad what happened and, and the sadness is going to be there, you know, for an extended period. It's going to be there for a while. Um, but, you know, as each day goes by, it's just nice to have things like Super Bowl Sunday that can in some way, shape, or form help folks continue to move on with their lives and heal um, as time goes on. But with the Super Bowl now over, you know, football is officially over. The NBA takes center stage, and it's going to take center stage quickly with the NBA trade deadline coming up this Thursday. We will get into um, some details about the Grizzlies' approach with the NBA trade deadline in a few, but we first want to talk about this past week, uh, a good week for the Grizzlies that ended on a less than ideal note, but we'll discuss that. We'll also talk about January a little bit, what to take from it, and you know, put it into perspective as the Grizzlies move forward, and then obviously discuss some details about the trade deadline. So this past week, the Grizzlies went 3-1. and one. Victories over the Suns, the Nuggets, the Knicks, and the Pelicans. It was a nice ba- bounce-back week from the previous week. Uh, the Grizzlies, you know, were able to win four straight between you know nine days ago against the Pistons up until this past Friday night when they lost to the Pelicans. Um, but, you know, the Grizzlies, um, you know, again going 3-1. and one. After a week in which they kind of came back down to earth, they had won seven straight and lost to the Pelicans and the Celtics, and then they beat the, the Pistons, the Suns, the Nuggets, and the Knicks in a row. The one thing that this week proves is that the Grizzlies do have a needed trait that a lot of rebuilding teams want to have and a lot of teams that are true playoff contenders want to have. And that is that they take care of business when it's expected. This Grizzlies team showed in January when they had a fairly easy schedule that they won the games they were supposed to win. They went 11-4 and 
winning the games against the teams that they should, while also taking a few unexpected victories along the way. Again, that shows that they're ahead of schedule as far as a team goes on a rebuild. It shows that the individual talents are further along in their development, and it allows for them to, again, build up that um, um, collection of wins that really will support them You know, as the schedule becomes tougher going forward. But obviously the big um, news on the court this week was the fight that occurred um, in New York. Um, you know, Jay Crowder with the steal, shooting the three with the Grizzlies up big, Alfred Payton with the push, and then, you know, the axe that followed. Um, the unfortunate byproduct of that was on Thursday of this week, the announcement that Jaron Jackson Jr. and Marco Goodurich were suspended. Uh, for Friday night's game versus the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, it's both understandable and unfortunate what occurred. It's understandable. Both Goodrich and Jaron Jackson Jr., they left the bench. You're not supposed to do that. They have this rule in place to prevent there being you know, extra involvement in these fights. I get that. But the thing that was, it's kind of hard to accept, is that neither Goodrich or Jaron Jackson Jr. were involved in the fight itself. As a matter of fact, there was hardly any Grizzlies involved. This was an act that was completely initiated by the um, New York Knicks, one in which multiple members of the New York Knicks tried to you know, escalate. They were the ones who were causing the issue. Marcus Morris, Julius Randle, things like that. I get it was in the heat of the moment, and I get that things, things happen. But not all of these situations are created the same. And while I can understand the rule being in place, I do get um, why um, it's in place to, to deter things from escalating. It's just unfortunate and, again, hard to accept that the Grizzlies who did not start this fight, they, they did not do anything to initiate this fight, they're the ones who faced the um, higher consequences and went into a very big game against the Pelicans shorthanded. And the result was as you expected. Injuries and the suspensions just made the Grizzlies not be at full strength, and they suffered a big loss to the Pelicans on Friday night as a result. Why is the loss to the Pelicans so important? Because it was a game against a Western Conference opponent that is gunning for the Grizzlies' eighth spot in the West. I wrote about it a few times in my game previews for the Grizzly Bear Blues. For Grizzly Bear Blues, every game that the Grizzlies have on, you know, carries significance. But those games carry a bit more value because the result is a two-game swing in the standings. And now having lost to the Pelicans twice um, in the past two weeks... The Pelicans are positioned to where they can truly make a run for the eighth spot. I get that there are several teams in front of the Pelicans between them and the Grizzlies. I get that the Spurs are playing decently now, that the Trailblazers are starting to get hot with um, Damian Lillard being unconscious. But the Pelicans, to me, are the biggest threat right now for the Grizzlies' eighth spot, not only due to the fact that their roster is fully healthy with Zion back and you know the depth they have, But as the schedule goes along, as we get into March and April, the last six months of the year, the Pelicans have a a very easy schedule compared to others. Their schedule looks a lot like the Grizzlies' January schedule. So the Pelicans, are if they're within striking distance, they can easily put a run together. And if in these direct games, the Grizzlies are not able to take um, care of business, you know, these games over the past two weeks that we've lost to New Orleans, they could come back, you know, to, to mean a lot, you know, if the Grizzly, if the Pelicans were to make a run. But obviously, you know, the way to prevent that from occurring is for the Grizzlies to take care of their own business. 
which again they did in January. But now the schedule gets a little bit tougher as we head towards the All-Star break. Um, five games left before the All-Star break um, uh, starts. Um, the, the, the Grizzlies' last game before the All-Star break is February um, 12th. But this week, the Grizzlies um, do have another four-game week, but it's four games in which they should um, have a good chance to potentially go 3-1, and one, um, if not 4-0. We've got the Pistons at home tonight. There is a chance that, that they will be without Derrick Rose due to injury. We'll see if that occurs. I would imagine the Pistons may want to keep him out, especially with the trade deadline You know, just a few days away. Then, obviously, the Grizzlies uh, travel to uh, face another division foe, the Mavericks. The Mavericks, obviously, a playoff you know team right now, but they'll likely be without Luka, so that should be a game that the Grizzlies you know have a good chance in. We then travel to the 76ers. Uh, they are uh, getting back to full strength. They're going to be a tough matchup, especially on the road. And the Grizzlies, obviously, uh, on Sunday, uh, the 9th, they'll be traveling to the Wizards. So three games are traveling to Washington, D.C. to face the Wizards. Four games this week. We should have a chance to go 3-1, and one, and hopefully the Grizzlies can take care of business. Hopefully we can, um, you know, finish the first half with a, um, you know, winning stretch here. Our final game after these four before the All-Star break is against the Trailblazers in Memphis. But, of course, with uh, Damian Lillard playing to the level that he is, you know, that, that could be a, a push-it game. You know, it's going to be hard to really be, um, you know, favored by a lot in that game with Damian Lillard playing like he is. But that's the big takeaway um, um, from January is that, you know, the Grizzlies took care of business. They went 11-4, and four, you know, probably better than a lot of people expected. They're firmly within that playoff hunt, and, and you know, obviously with being the eighth seed right now, but, you know, it, it's going to become even more critical for them to continue playing at a high level as their competition picks up and they play on the road more. But the other news from the week that's exciting, and we'll talk more about this probably next week, you know, as the All-Star game approaches, was the Grizzlies, um, it was announced that uh, three Grizzlies, John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. for the U.S. team, Brandon Clark for the world team. We have th uh, um, three young players in the Rising Stars Challenge. We may see that there may be a little bit more involvement from a few Grizzlies, a few of those same Grizzlies um, in other events for All-Star Weekend. But just an exciting time to see the involvement in that game. Um, obviously, another thing that was talked about was, you know, do, did John ja Morant have, you know, a, a true opportunity for the All-Star game? I think it was going to be a long shot from the beginning. I think that the um, that the All-Star selections, they mostly got it right. Um, there could be a few uh, potential openings, especially with Luka Doncic um, and, and his injury. There could be a few openings. I don't think John ja Morant gets it even then. I think that Devin Booker should uh, be on the All-Star team. I think he should have made it over Chris Paul personally myself, uh, just like Bradley Bill should have made it over um, Demonis Sabonis in the East. But in general, I think that the selections for the All-Star game were good, um, and it's great to see the Grizzlies' exposure that's going to come from the Rising Stars Challenge. That was the other big news of the week, so something to look forward to um, in a few weeks, and we'll discuss that more um, next week um, as, as we gear up for the All-Star game. But 
Moving on from January, and, and, you know, again, the Grizzlies' successful run, you know, has firmly put them into, you know, the playoff discussion. They're in the eighth spot. Um, so, so what to look forward to? We discussed the schedule leading up to the All-Star break. Um, but the, the important thing is also to keep January in perspective, and, and especially with some individual performances that, you know, were there, that they were awesome to see, but what do they mean going forward? Um, I know that uh, through the Core 4 podcast, there was a lot of discussion in regards to Dylan Brooks, as there should be. Uh, Parker Fleming, host over at the Core 4 podcast, has done a lot of great work through Grizzly Bear Blues, discussing the development, the evolution of Dylan Brooks's game. And it was awesome to see, you know, this past week, um, or this past month, just how amazing um, he, he, his um, a career projection has gone to compare to, to what it was. Um, you know, Dylan Brooks means a lot to this team. There is no doubt about that. I believe the stat that a lot of people continue to point out that, you know, shows just how important his scoring ability is, is this. 16-1, and one, the Grizzlies are, when Dylan Brooks scores 20 or more points, and they're 7-23 and 23 when he does not. But the reason why I bring Dylan Brooks up specifically is because I think that he is uh, the best example of uh, of keeping a stretch run of success into perspective. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, the Grizzlies' run during January was awesome to see, but it's also important to remember they faced a lot of teams that had losing records that overall were less talented rosters. And so when I say you got to keep it into perspective, the success that our players had was awesome, needed, and you know you certainly would rather see that than them struggle. But when it comes to Dylan Brooks and a, and a few others, you know, are they playing at their true talent level or perhaps are they playing above that due to the competition that they're facing? And I think that that's a, that it's a bit of both. I think that Dylan Brooks, among other players, they are they're at higher ceilings than we thought they could be, but their level of play also was aided by the schedule that they played against. And the reason why that's important to discuss now is because players such as Dylan Brooks, um, DeAnthony Melton, those two especially, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how their play is for the Grizzlies during an important stretch. Both of these players are restricted free agents after this year, and the Grizzlies are going to have some decisions to make, obviously, when it comes to putting together a roster for the future and committing to these guys. Both Brooks and Melton have played their way in played their way into firmly being considered as pieces of our future core. I don't think anyone expected Melton to be there. I think that many had hoped that Brooks would be there, and both of them are. But the thing about it is, is that Brooks is now playing at a level where there's starting to be speculation as to what would the Grizzlies commit to him or what would another team commit to him. And we've seen numbers thrown out to where, you know, Brooks may now be in line for an Eric Gordon type deal with the Houston Rockets. Eric Gordon signed a four-year, $52 million deal a few years back. You know, is Brooks in that, you know, at that level now? You know, could he make 13 to $15 million? You know, the possibility is certainly there. However, just straightforward, I am not one that would like for the Grizzlies to make that type of commitment. And the reason why I bring that up now, when we're at the 1st of February, is because this is where the Grizzlies need to start making decisions for the future in terms of their roster. If the Grizzlies were to commit to Brooks and they were to commit to Melton, 
that potentially is going to be a 20 to 25 million dollar commitment for multiple years into two guards that you know arguably are best coming off the bench we've seen that with Melton and we you know the reason I say Brooks may be best coming off the bench is because his skill set his instant offense type skill set for a true contender a lot of times you see that in a reserve but if the Grizzlies were to invest in Brooks if they were to best invest in Melton You've already got $8.5 million both next year and the year after in Tyus Jones. Now you've got $25 million more in Melton and Brooks, and that you're, you're coming up to nearly $30 to $35 million invested in reserve guards. I get that the talent may be worth it. I get that Brooks and Melton and Jones themselves individually may be worth those investments. But that's a lot of money tied up into reserve guards who are backing up your main, um, you know, your main featured star in John Morant. I don't necessarily know if it makes that much sense for the Grizzlies to invest that much money into their reserve guards. I get that each of the guards have different skill sets, have different reasons that they contribute to the Grizzlies' success. However, I feel that if you were to compare Brooks at 12 to 15 million and Melton at 8 to 10 million as far as their investments per year going forward, Melton is the better investment. Number one, the Grizzlies play a lot of their best basketball when Melton is on the court. And the reason why is because Melton's skill set is a more needed fit for this Grizzlies roster going forward than Brooks is. Melton's ability on the defensive end, his playmaking ability, um, his ability um, you know, out in the open court, it is something that you know, complements the Grizzlies' core better, and it features them better. You know, it, it it's not just him playing defense. It's the fact that he, when the ball is in Melton's hands, he makes things happen. Brooks does as well, but not, in my opinion, in as many ways as Melton can. So for that reason, I, I, I don't necessarily know if it's going to come down to choosing one or the other. I think that it should, though. I think that the Grizzlies, with all the cap space that they're going to have available this year and beyond, they don't need to anchor it down so much into their reserve guards. And so the reason why I mention this has to deal with the trade deadline, obviously, that's coming up this week. If the Grizzlies, um, you know, the Grizzlies front office has been, you know, applauded for how creative they were during the summer. And so if we know we have these decisions coming up, this summer in regards to Melton and Brooks, amongst others, you know, that could potentially impact the discussions that we have at the trade deadline. Now, I don't think this is going to happen. At the end of the day, I don't think that any of the young pieces that Taylor Jenkins and his coaching staff rely on as far as the rotation goes, I don't think any of them are going to get traded. However, I do think that the Grizzlies would be doing themselves a disservice if they didn't at least check out the market for for a player such as Dylan Brooks. Again, I mentioned Dylan Brooks is someone right now who is playing at his peak. He is he has not had as good of a month in his career as he did this past January. We saw last year that teams have interest in Brooks. We saw when the Grizzlies tried to put together the trade that would have brought them Kelly Oubre, a more consistent and better version of of the type of player Brooks is, 
we saw that there was almost a trade where the Grizzlies landed a talent like Oubre for Brooks. So if that is the case, if Dylan Brooks potentially can create that type of interest out in the trade market, I think the Grizzlies should have conversations surrounding him. I don't think he's going to be traded. I completely get why it makes sense to hold on to him. But if the Grizzlies feel that Brooks may get to a price range that they're not comfortable with this summer, why not see what you can get for him now? Because, like I say, I truly do think that Brooks' skill set, it's not replaceable in terms of how well he can score. But I do think that the Grizzlies, if they found value now, it could potentially be better for the long run. Now, if you're not getting offered, you know, an offer that makes sense. If you're not getting offered, you know, for instance, the first rounder for Brooks, hold on to him, let everything play out. It's not a bad thing to have your young talent succeeding. But in the end, I just think that on a market in a mar in a trade market right now, where you're hearing a lot of names talked about, but you're not really seeing a lot of these names truly, um, you know, it truly be in a reality where you're going to see a lot of big names traded. Why not put a attractive asset like Brooks out there just to at least see what you can get for him? And if you can get a significant future asset, it may wind up carrying more value for your future than Brooks would if Brooks may be at an uncomfortable price range for you this summer. Now, obviously, um, you know, anything about uh, Dylan Brooks, um, you know, is speculation. Again, I don't think he's traded. I think that he means too much to the Grizzlies' success moving forward, and it makes sense to keep him because obviously he meets a need as a, as a consistent scoring option. But one player that, you know, we, we, has not shown up on the court, but one that does carry significance for the Grizzlies this week is Andre Iguodala. Now, we have seen... Iguodala, you know, he's started, you know, to emerge, you know, he's he's appeared on TV and things like that, you know, making sure that it's known that he does prefer to be traded and the Grizzlies prefer to trade him. Uh, the reason why he has emerged as the, you know, biggest trade piece out there is due to the lack of names on the market, but also because of his playoff experience. Where the Grizzlies stand right now with um, Andre Iguodala is that they are going to just continue having discussions, likely up until Thursday. Um, it was reported uh, on Saturday uh, that the Grizzlies had had potential conversations. Rick Buecher from uh, Bleacher Report mentioned that there were potential conversations with the bucket with the um, Milwaukee Bucks. Almost said Buccaneers with the Milwaukee Bucks, where the Grizzlies were potentially requesting the first-round pick that the Bucks got from the Pacers um, in exchange for Malcolm Brogdon, the Grizzlies were asking for that first-round pick for Andre Iguodala. Now, do I think that the Grizzlies are going to get that big of a return back for Iguodala? I don't. Number one, it's hard for a team probably to um, justify sending a first-round pick for Andre Iguodala. He hasn't played this year. Yes, while he's a nice contributing piece, he's not someone who, he's not the guaranteed missing piece for a title run. He's just nice depth to have in the playoffs. But what this does indicate is that I think that, you know, several people are right when they have speculated that it's very likely the Grizzlies already have a few offers in place. If you want to call them floor offers, these are moves that you know the Grizzlies know they have from other teams. Other teams have told the Grizzlies, if Andre Iguodala 
is available. This is our best offer. And I think the Grizzlies probably have a deal or two out there that they will eventually accept if they can't find a deal that just, you know, they can't say no to. And that's why they're asking for these, you know, lofty returns, such as a first-round pick for Andre Iguodala. That's the thing about this front office, is that their creativity comes from discussions. It comes from asking questions. It comes from being aggressive. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is absolutely, that, that's how you emerge from a rebuild with a sustainable winner, is that you look at things from all perspectives when it comes to building your roster for the future. So I think that the Grizzlies asking these questions, seeking out these lofty returns for Andre Iguodala, it's a smart approach, and I think it also indicates that the Grizzlies have a few offers in place, and at the end of the day, at the end of Thursday, I think that we will have seen Iguodala um, traded to a contender. Uh, could be Miami, you know, could be Dallas. You know, I, I think that those two teams may be the ones that have those floor offers in place. The one that a lot of people have speculated about is Courtney Lee and the second round pick from the Golden State Warriors this year. That could be a very good offer. The Mavericks may want to take on Iguodala due to the injury to Luka Doncic. So I think that it's going to, I can definitely say with confidence that there's going to be one move that the Grizzlies make, and that I think that we're going to get a a, a good return for Iguodala. I don't think it's going to be a first-round pick or a, a young, intriguing piece to add to our core, but I do think it, you know, it's better to have assets for the future than, you know, a present asset that truly doesn't want to play for you. As far as other players go, as far as other um, uh, current Grizzlies being on the trade market, you know, potentially, you know, the moving Jay Crowder or Solomon Hill, you know, could those options be there? Certainly. I think, though, that we have, we're a few weeks past the point to where um, moving one of those guys truly makes sense. In all honesty, I think that one of those guys or both of those guys, if they were going to be moved, it already would have happened especially with the Grizzlies now having a few injuries that they're dealing with. Both Crowder and Hill are good guys to have to play. Yes, speculate how impactful that they are, but Taylor Jenkins just prefers to have them out on the court. He likes the stability that comes with their veteran presence, and while you may want to debate the value of that, they're going to continue to play. So with the Grizzlies still having the playoffs as a potential um, you know, hope for this year, I think that with the injuries that are on the roster, there's likely not going to be a return out there for Crowder or Heel that makes the Grizzlies move one of them. You know, if someone comes at the end and wants to move a favorable asset for Crowder, of course you trade him. There's just, he does not hold enough present value to keep you from getting a significant future asset. But if the trade offers are just a few, you know, potentially low second round picks, I think that the Grizzlies hold on to Crowder and they hold on to Heel going forward. So that's the perspective that I, you know, see for the trade deadline. I see that Iguodala is going to be traded. I feel like there's a good chance he may be the most impactful piece traded. Um, as far as any other Grizzlies being uh, dealt, unless a deal comes together at the last minute where Hill or Crowder can bring in a significant asset, you know, I don't see that happening. 
I'm speculating on Brooks. You know, I don't, you know, I get, you know, there, there there's several different reasons why you don't trade him, and I'm not taking anything away from his play that's occurred in January. I just think that in terms of how creative this Grizzlies front office has been, it would make sense for me, to, it would make sense at least to me, for them to at least see what value um, other teams have of an asset like Brooks, and if they can make something happen where they can get a significant future asset, it would make sense to move him. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, 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 um, it's got to make perfect sense, and, and there's a good chance it doesn't. So um, I think that the trade deadline in general is going to be as expected, just like we saw last year with Mark Gasol. It was speculated that the Grizzlies were going to move him. There was a bunch of, you know, potential, you know, wonderful returns that were going to be out there. And when he was eventually moved, he came with a return that many initially were not just blown away by. They, they, they were okay with it. I think that's what's going to happen with Andre Iguodala. While, you know, there's speculation out there of us potentially getting, you know, a young intriguing piece to come back or a first-round pick to come back, if that doesn't occur... If our return is on the level of a matching salary piece like Courtney Lee and an early second-round pick, that still is better than anything Iguodala is providing in the present. So this week, as we see speculation going on, overall I think it's going to be a lot more talk than actual action in terms of big names but it will be an exciting week it'll be exciting to see you know where this Grizzlies team is after the trade deadline and you know as we lead up to the all-star break can they continue to win which they hopefully will Thank you so much for joining us in this edition of the 3ND Podcast. We will be back with you next week, obviously, to recap the trade deadline. Another busy week for the Grizzlies on the court. And me and, and me and Justin will also discuss you know, the upcoming All-Star Game and Rising Stars Challenge. We'll give our takes of the All-Star rosters and what we hope to see in the uh, Rising Stars Challenge. Hopefully, everybody will be back in full health and the Grizzlies will have a successful week. Hope you had a great time uh, this uh, yesterday during the Super Bowl. Enjoy the games this week, especially starting tonight when the Grizzlies face the Pistons. Hopefully we'll get a few easy victories um, and have a good uh, winning week. But as always, thank you so much for joining myself, Sean Coleman, and the rest of us here in the 3ND Podcast. Have a great week, guys. We all need the right tools for success. A painter needs their perfect brushes, and a climber needs to be able to rely on their harness. And for your work, you need to stay connected. With Slack, teams can help you work better. Slack is a productivity platform that connects all your team members together instantly. It's built to help your team with a host of features like huddles for quick check-ins and clips for recording and sharing video. Slack also makes it easy to search and find the right information you need. You can even integrate the apps you use in your normal workflow like your calendar or product management tools, so you stay focused on the work that matters and get more done. Learn more at slack.com slash productivity.